It is important that we keep our oil filled for when he returns because we don't want to be like the five that wasn't prepared. You see, you may feel that it's too late to repent or you're too embarrassed or it's, it just isn't a good time. Well, we know that there's never really a good time for repentance. Sin is fun. Let's just be real. Sin is just, it's a fun thing. We like it. How do you know? Well, not too many people would be doing it if it wasn't fun. Sin is very hard to let go of. Because of Adam and Eve, we inherit a selfish nature, and we instinctively choose to do things that make us feel good. The problem is that the fun only lasts so long. Before long, we start to realize that hurting ourselves and others isn't worth it. By that point, the sin is so entrenched in our lives that it may seem impossible to root out. As Pastor Mark reminds us in today's message, it's not impossible. Christ purchased our freedom, and through the Holy Spirit, we can completely conquer sin. We need to look beyond the short-term pleasure and see the eternal consequences. Well, let's open our Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 3 and join Pastor Mark with today's edition of Come Alive. You plant an orange seed, orange tree grows. You plant a watermelon seed, a watermelon grows. You plant evil, everybody, what grows? Evil grows. So he says, whatever you plant, you will reap. It's bad stuff. But look at verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. In your Bible, highlight or circle the word deceived if you do that. And that means seduced or delusioned. Seduced or delusioned. Also, you could circle the word mocked. It means to sneer or snout or mouth and mutter. You know those people, you ever see little kids do that behind their mom? They're getting on one kid and this other kid's behind them going, that's kind of what that means. That's your word picture for today. That's what that means when, when to what mocked means. You're mocking at that point. And so it, it, it meant that you could care less and, and that would be part of it. But the other part is to be, again, behind them mocking, making fun. Now look at verse 8 of Galatians. It says, for he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And So what we plant, it's important. What's the point? Well, we know when you sow, it means to plant, and when you reap, you harvest what has been planted. So if you sow, if you plant watermelon seeds, when it comes time that these big green things shoot up out of the ground on the vine, you would eventually harvest them, pick them. They would become yours. And you plant in one season, right? You got to plant those watermelons at a certain point in time, and you harvest them at another time. So you sow in one season, and you reap in another season. And a lot of people think, wow, you know, today I sinned. God's going to get me. I really blew it today, so God's going to get me. And it may not be. 
You planted that. You might have to let that seed grow a little bit, and then you reap what you harvest in another season. And so we may think just that the consequence didn't happen faster at the moment or the hour or that day or that week that that sin took place, then maybe God didn't see or maybe God doesn't care anymore. Maybe he changed his mind. Maybe he sent out a a change of terms and you just didn't get the letter, but everything's going to be cool. But you'll reap in another season. And so maybe God is understanding your sin now. Maybe we think that, oh, well, maybe he understands. He's kind of, he was, he, he, maybe he understands it like back then it was really harsh. And now he's softened up as he's grown in age. Does God really age? You know, he, he knows I'm not perfect. He, he knows I'm, I, I'm made out of flesh. I'm just some flesh and that's the way it is. God's grace is sufficient. We hear that a lot. God's grace is sufficient. And we say that, but be careful you just sinned, the consequences may come later. God's grace is sufficient. It's, he's gracious. But you may reap later in a different season. You don't plant your watermelons and, and pick them in the same season. It's a different season when, they, when that stuff grows. So you may not harvest that little sin for a couple of seasons, and God may not even act after a couple of seasons, but he warned you. Maybe he's warned you. He said, hey, enough. Stop it. Repent. See, repentance, a lot of people think, well, I repented. Why am I suffering? Well, repentance just means you turn from that sin. You still, you might still reap the consequences of it. And we see Eli doesn't even, I mean, it's like he gets warned and he doesn't even act. He doesn't really even move. He thinks all is cool. God's saying, I know your heart and there's no going back. I know what you're going to do next. I've given you opportunity, but there's no going back. Turn back to 1 Samuel chapter 3 and look at verse 13. We're going to go back there. 1 Samuel chapter 3, and we're going back there and look at verse 13 this time. 1 Samuel 3 verse 13 says, For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows, because his sons made themselves vile and did not restrain them. What's it say there? For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows. So he knew his sons were doing wrong. He was aware of it. This was not a surprise that his sons were sinning. Because his sons made themselves, his sons made themselves, they chose, they did it themselves, vile, and did not restrain them. His sons made themselves that way, and he chose not to restrain his children. He's saying, I told him, about that stuff. I told him I was about to judge his house, implying a warning, but nothing was done when the warning came. And then the iniquity he knew, Eli knew it was wrong, did nothing. God warned him, and he still did nothing. He did more than nothing. And then look what brought the cause on his sons. Not God, but rather his sons. God didn't bring the cause on them. It's not God's fault, but rather his sons. What is this saying to you and I? What's this saying to you and me? I hope if you're doing stuff that God considers wrong, you stop. If God considers it wrong, it's wrong. It's not what I consider wrong, but what God considers wrong that we stop. Some people have planted acres of bad stuff, and the harvest isn't looking so good right now. There's acres and acres of it. Your investment is about to come to maturity for some of us that like to play with investments. What you invest in, it will mature either good or bad. 
If you make a good investment, it'll be good when it comes to maturity. If it's bad, well, you'll reap what you sow. See, God tells Eli, it's too late to fix this. I won't accept the sacrifice because you would only be doing it not because you're sorry, but because you got caught. Anybody have children that have ever done that? They find out what they're going to lose, and all of a sudden they're sorry for it. See, there's a difference between godly sorrow and worldly sorrow, and that's what the Bible teaches, that godly sorrow leads to repentance. Remember when Peter denied Christ three times? That would be godly sorrow. He denies God three times, and then godly sorrow comes. Judas, on the other hand, had worldly sorrow. He was sorry because he got caught, and his worldly sorrow led to his destruction. He committed suicide. See, some people never grow out of the sorrow for their sin. They say, sorry, please forgive me, over and over multiple times for the same thing. That's why we say when we're going to take communion today, if you've been asking forgiveness for the same sin last month and the month before that and the month before that, I seriously doubt that you're really getting real with God. And so we ask you not to do that and make a mockery of the communion. But if you're really repenting, True repentance means a turn, a 180. It's a U-turn. You're turning away from that thing, walking away from it to leave it behind. Oh, yeah, you'll struggle. You'll be tempted, but you're leaving it behind. You're not going back to touch it. You're not going back to pet it. You're not going back to visit it. Well, it's only for a few hours a week. I just want to see it. No, you're leaving it. You're cutting off that thing, that relationship, whatever it may be. You're destroying it. You're going to leave it alone. So some people never grow out of that. I did it again. Lord, I'm so sorry. I did it again. I know yesterday I vowed to you and said I was never going to do it again. I did it again. (laughs) Poor me. Please help me tomorrow. Lord, I know. It's been two days. I made a vow. I didn't make a vow yesterday because I blew it yesterday. But today I'm going to make another vow and say I'm not going to do it. And then here it comes again the next day. Lord, I'm really sorry. Like, really? You're, just, you're really not. You're really not. You're not being serious with it. So Eli was, an on, was in an honorable position, and because of his disobedience, he has become a dishonorable vessel. He has become a dishonorable vessel. Look at verse 15, and we'll move on. So Samuel lay down until morning, and he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. I think I would be afraid too. Poor Samuel, 12, 13 years old. I mean, it's one thing to hear bad news that will come upon someone, and it's quite another one to have to go and tell them, hey, bro, uh, Lord hung out with me last night, and he said, you're toast. I mean, that's got to be rough to give to someone. I mean, I've had to tell people some harsh stuff before in my life, nothing like this, but I didn't want to do it. Like, hey, man, I just, I just got to tell you some bad news. And it's hard to tell bad news. Look at verse 16. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, he answered, here I am. And the one thing I want you to see here is the relationship. How many men in this church call you my son? You think about it, that's a pretty tight relationship between that man and that little boy. I mean, Eli obviously loves that little boy like a son because he wouldn't call him my son. So he says, hey, we're pretty close. So here it is, verse 17. And he said, What is the word that the Lord spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. God do so to you, and more also, if you hide anything from me of all the things that he said to you. 
And so Eli makes it easy for Samuel. Hey, if you don't tell me, bro, I'm going to pray that the Lord curse you the same way he's going to curse me. A little scare tactics there, but it kind of helps out. Verse 18, then Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord, let him do what seems good to him. That's what Eli says. It is the Lord, let him do what seems good to him. See, Eli saved Samuel a bit of trouble by threatening a curse on him if he didn't tell him what God had said. Under that threat, Samuel held nothing back. He laid it all out for him. Samuel calls, um, recalls all the highlights, the burden, the pressure, the conflict, the pain. Think about that. Sometimes serving God, you'll have those times where you will feel a burden, the pressure, the pain of the Word of God. And, you know, sometimes people think, oh, it's got to be, and it is. Sometimes it's tough. You'll be up here teaching, and you'll be talking about certain sins, and you're like, oh, man, I know that's going to hit somebody hard. And like, oh, man, that really hit me hard. And oh, man. And then some people will just write straight up after church be like, man, I, I disagree with that. And it's like, well, I just read that out of the Bible. So you disagree with the Bible. Yeah, but, you know, you didn't have to say that. Oh, yes, I did. I had to say that. I have to give the truth. I want to give 100% of the truth. Well, I didn't like it. Oh, that's all right. You don't have to like it. Nobody asked you to like it. God doesn't like your sin, but you do it anyway. So, you know, sometimes you do. It's, it's, it's hard work. Being a true Christian, being a Christian man or woman and going to your friend and going, hey, man, um, I don't know, but uh, maybe the Lord has this message for you and I feel like he does. I've been praying and you were the first person that came to mind. I don't know. I'm just going to throw it out there and see if it sticks. And be like, who are you to judge me? You'll know then that it was the Lord because you just gave some verses and I've had that happen to me before in my own family. Who are you to judge me? Bro, I just read the Bible to you. I'm not judging you. Maybe it's God. In my house, a long time ago, my first year of marriage, my wife and I were discussing something, and I just walked in to where she was and said something, and she got really upset, and I said, oh, maybe the Holy Spirit's trying to tell you something, babe. That was a rough day. <laughs> when did you become the Holy Spirit? <laughs> you know, I was like, I did it. Don't throw it. No, she didn't throw anything. But she came back later, and she goes, you're right. There's this thing in my life I'm struggling with, I'm having a hard time with. There's been times when she's done it to me. And I'm just all like, oh, you know, and pride's just there and you want to fight it. And you're just like, oh, man, and just throw up your arms and surrender. I'm like, you're right, Lord, you're right. I can't be mad at these people for giving me the, the word of the Lord. They're just doing what you tell them to do. But here's the crazy thing that Eli does is his reaction. I mean, does he care? He says, you know, well... If it seems good to the Lord, let him do what seems good to him. What? He's gotten so lax, so lazy, so hard-hearted and careless that there's no fight in him. Let me ask you just to think for a second. If this was you and you just had this message, what would you do? If somebody just said, I'm going to kill your sons and I'm going to ruin your family, for they're gone. They're toast. What would you do? What would you do? Hopefully, we're thinking, I, I'd get on my knees and pray, it's not so, Lord, it's not so. Please forgive me, help me. What do I need to do to fix this? I know I can't offer a sacrifice or an offering, but what else? What else? But you might say, God said he wouldn't take an offering. James 2.13 says, mercy triumphs over judgment. 
Mercy triumphs over judgment. Write that down. God will always be more merciful than judgmental. Well, how do you know that? Take a look at Jonah chapter 3. It's where I'll prove it. God tells Jonah, tell them 40 days in their toast that they're gone. What do the people in Nineveh do? They repent. They, they put sackcloth and ashes on themselves. They repent so, so hardcore. They even put sackcloth and ashes on the cows. Oh, we don't want our cows to die either. We want it, probably the first saved cattle in the world. And then Jonah 4, 1 through 4. If you turn there, we're going to read that. Verse 1 says, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, oh, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish. For I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? Now, you got to think about this. The message that Jonah had for these people, he says, Arise in, verse, in chapter 3, verse 2 of Jonah. Since you're there, take a look. It says, Arise, go to Nineveh, to that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose, and he went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day, walk. And then he cried out, and he said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. There's no unless or if you, in 40 days, you guys are going to be cooked. You're going to be done. In 40 days, this is what's going to happen. So we see that he doesn't say if you offer, if you throw sackcloth and ashes on yourself and your cattle. I think it's great that these people even threw it on their cattle. I bet they threw it on their dogs. But they threw it on everything. They repented. It's a very similar message that we see here in 1 Samuel. Turn back to 1 Samuel. While you're turning there, there's a story of a Grecian artist who painted this amazing picture. It is a picture of a little boy carrying on his head a basket of grapes. The grapes were painted so realistically that when that picture was put up in the forum for the citizens to admire that the birds had flown in there and they would peck at the grapes thinking that they were real. And all the friends of the painter said, man, let me tell you how awesome that painting is. That's an amazing painting that the birds even think the grapes are real. And yet... The painter was far from satisfied. He said, man, I should have made the boy more true to life that the birds would have not dread to come near. And the moral of that story is, he's saying that he should have made the painting so attractive and repelling. The word of God is that. It's very attractive, but it needs to repel. What's it need to repel? Sin, a sinful lifestyle. See, there's always that tension in God's word. And any authentic messenger knows and lives in that. It should attract the lost and attract the Christian to honor and to love God, to exalt him above all else, but it also should repel the Christian and the non-believer from sinning and the things of the lust of the flesh. As a Christian, we should be repelled from the lust of the flesh. We need to have a high regard for both. And so in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 19, So Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all of Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. Then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. So here we're told again that Samuel grew, but his time, it says, that the Lord was with him. Samuel's words and influence will reach the entire nation. The entire nation of Israel will hear God's word. Jesus is God's son, and is his words 
reaching the people you're around? Or is your light dim? Have you become like Eli to where, oh man, I'm just kind of, you know what, I'm kind of more into the comfort right now. I'm kind of relaxed. I'm kind of chilling. I'm just not, no. It's just not, it's not doing what it used to do for me. See, Jesus came to give you and I life everlasting. And today, you know, is communion. And we need to remember what it was he told us to do. To go and make disciples. To go and make disciples. But you can't do that if you're not living it out. You can't lead by example if you're not being an example. And so we need to remember what price was paid for this communion, for that commission. That commission, the only way we got the commission was by him dying on the cross, his life and what he defeated. He defeated death so you and I and all the people we know would have eternal life. He defeated it to prove himself that he was God, that he was the one that was sent. And so it is important that we keep our oil filled for when he returns. Because we don't want to be like the five that wasn't prepared. You see, you may feel that it's too late to repent, or you're too embarrassed, or it just isn't a good time. Well, we know that there's never really a good time for repentance. Sin is fun. Let's just be real. Sin is just, it's a fun thing. We like it. How do you know? Well, not too many people would be doing it if it wasn't fun. It's just fun. And so, you know what? It is a good time to say, Lord, if if this is not what you want me to do, and then there's those things that you know that's not right, but Lord, if you don't want me to do this, or if you're calling me away from this, or if there's something I need to be doing, because sometimes doing nothing is a sin, doing nothing like sitting there while there are thousands of people perishing and and, and going to hell for eternity, there's a lot of that going on in the church. Oh, we've boxed ourselves in going, oh, man, that's cool. I love this place. Oh, I read today, Spurgeon said that a, a, a church should not be a hotel of comfort, but it should be a place of barracks where we prepare people for war. It's not a comfortable place. The army is not a comfortable place. The Marines are not comfortable people. I mean, you ever see those guys? They're stern. They're ready. They're ready to fight in a minute. Why? because they're trained to do so. And we as Christians have lost the fight. We've become like Eli, that wicked and that is not trimmed. The oil is running out and the flame is small. We have to think, man, you know, Jesus gave his life for you and I to keep that oil filled, that wick trimmed, to prepare for battle, to be enlisted in something greater than ourselves. And so today we want to remember that. You may be familiar with David's story in the book of 1 Samuel, but did you know he was just one of many important characters from the verses of this Old Testament book? Many people's lives are intertwined to bring about God's plan, even some who weren't following their creator. God used each person to pave the way for David to ascend the throne and ultimately to bring about salvation for the entire world through his line. Today, you may be a David in your own world. God may be calling you to huge things that will take you to potentially dangerous but ultimately wonderful places. On the other hand, you might be someone God is using to prepare the way for another or to support them in their role. This doesn't in any way diminish your importance. Wherever you are in life, you can be demonstrating God to the world. If you'd like us to pray for you as you seek God's will for your life, please give us a call. We can be reached at 281-391-5503. 
That number again is 281-391-5503. If you'd like to hear today's message again or listen to other editions of Come Alive, we'd like to encourage you to subscribe to our podcast. Find us on your smartphone app store or subscribe on iTunes. You'll receive up-to-date teachings as soon as we make them available. That's all we have time for today. Join us next time to continue studying through 1 Samuel right here on Come Alive.